Welcome to the GeoMob podcast, where we discuss geo-innovation in any and all forms, be it for fun or profit. Welcome to another GeoMob podcast. This morning, we've got something a little bit different for you. As many of you will know, Ed Freyfogel had an accident on his bicycle and he's broken his jaw and he's now recovering and his whole head is wired up to allow his jaw to heal. He's going to make an absolutely full recovery, I'm pleased to tell you, but it does mean that we've had to change some of our podcast plans for the next few weeks. In the meantime, I've been thinking about podcast monologues a little bit because I haven't been blogging very much and I've had a few ideas spinning around and then it occurred to me that I could take the opportunity whilst Ed's off sick to try a monologue. So that's what you've got today. I don't know whether it's going to work. I don't know whether you'll enjoy it, but you've got me for about 20 minutes. And if you like it, let me know. If you hate it, let me know. So here we go. I'm going to talk to you about a love affair. It's not a secret. My wife knows about it. My friends know about it. It's my love affair with Open Source Geo, how it started, the journey I've been on, and a few thoughts along the way. So it sort of goes back to about 2004 when I was at an AGI geo community conference type thing, and a young woman, Joe Cook, came up to me in the exhibition area as one of the organizers of the conference and pitched to me for AGI to provide the local OSGO chapter with a free exhibition space at the next event. Well, I was baffled. I didn't really understand open source. The conference that we were running and ran every year was jointly funded by the delegates who all paid fees to attend, and the sponsors who paid fees to get space within the exhibition area where they could sell their wares to the delegates. And this was a classic conference format. And here was somebody who was promoting free software, asking our organization to provide them with a free booth so that they could promote free software to the same people that the other sponsors were trying to sell software to. So I didn't really get it and I didn't see how that could work, but we had a nice conversation and I sort of parked that for a couple of years. Around 2006, my company GDC was starting to build what we thought was going to be our next generation product. And the head of the development team pitched to me that we should build this product using open source components. It wasn't that we were going to make it a free and open product, but it was going to be a product that was built on top of open source foundations. And that is actually what we started to do when MapInfo came along and bought the business. A year or so later, I was running MapInfo's European product management team, and I was running the UK business as well. And we were in a strategy session where I pitched to senior map info management that they were in a sandwich. On one side was open data, things like OpenStreetMap. And 
On the other side, there was open source software and free web applications like Google and Yahoo Maps. And the space for MapInfo, who sold solutions that combined software and data, was going to be very, very squeezed. Suffice it to say that nobody really listened to me when I was saying these things at MapInfo. A year later, they had another reorganization, and I I moved on from the organization at that time. And I think probably my forecast of the decline of their fortunes was reasonably accurate. Jump forward to 2012, and by now I joined Aston as a strategic advisor to the board. Aston is a small open source business based in the UK, and we were making plans to grow the business. And I was attending yet another GEA community event, and I sat at lunch with Jeremy Morley and Joe Cook, and they pitched to me the idea of bringing the Phosphor G conference, the annual open source geo conference, to Nottingham in 2013. Not only did they pitch the idea to me, but they went one step further and said, and we think you'd be a good person to chair it. Well, at this stage, I was barely an open source advocate, let alone well embedded in the community. But somehow my two friends, because by now Joe had become a good friend of mine as well as Jeremy, convinced me. And 2013 was a brilliant year. We put together a wonderful organizing committee. I made lots of friends on that organizing committee, some of whom have become lifelong friends. And we ran what we thought was a brilliant conference. 850 people came to Nottingham for talks, workshops, social events. And that was the beginning of my immersion in open source. I made a lot of friends. Lots of people came up to me to tell me what a fantastic job we'd done. And I just realized the power of being in this open community, the friendships that you made, the powerful software that they were building. And once you start, you can't stop. Once you're involved, you don't want to stop. So over the next few years, I got involved in the conference committee, which helps to organize all of the annual global events. I set up a travel grant program to enable students and people from less developed countries to travel to the conferences around the world. I gave several talks, and one of my highlight talks was being invited to give a keynote at Phosphagy Europe in 2018 in Guimarães in Portugal, which in itself was something because one of the things I talked about was the sense of still feeling like I was an imposter. You know, five, six years in, and I was giving a keynote at a Phosphagy conference, and I thought, I still don't know whether I'm really should be here. But apparently I was there and I was giving a keynote and loads of people applauded and came and talked to me afterwards. So something was working. Over the years since running Nottingham, I've been to Phosphagy events in Bonn, in Boston, in Portugal, and last of all, in Dar es Salaam. My pal, Mark Eilif, who I'd mentored as a PhD student, had pitched to be the chair of Phosphagy in 2018 in Dar es Salaam, Tanzania, where he was working. 
And me and Ken Field and several other friends all decided that we were going to make the trip to Africa to support him in the phosphagy. And along the way, we had a bit of a holiday. We went on safari. And so you see, when you start following phosphagy and becoming part of this community, you get to travel around the world. You combine it with your holidays a little bit. So, you know, there's a breaking down of the barriers between work and friendships. And over that time, phosphagy has become a big part of my life and I look forward to it. So 2019, I couldn't make phosphagy in Bucharest because I was having surgery. And then 2020, which was going to be in Calgary, and I was looking forward to that one, got canned because of COVID. So jump to 2021. 2021 was going to be in Buenos Aires. But let me just tell you a little bit of the story about Buenos Aires. In 2018, when we were in Dar es Salaam, and I had run the travel program, and we'd been able to take, I don't know, something like 100 people came to Phosphagy, both from across Africa and further afield, subsidised by the travel grant program. We had massive support for the travel grant program. And one of the people who was in the travel grant program that year was a young lady called Milena Libman. She was a force of nature. She was something special. And she was irrepressible. And during the conference, she came up to me and said, I want to bring phosphagy to Buenos Aires in 2021. Will you help me? And I, I told her what was involved in running a phosphagy. And she said, I know I want to do all of that. And so I said, OK, I'll help you. And that was how I got involved with the organising committee for phosphagy in 2021. As you probably know, we tragically lost Milena to the coronavirus in the spring of 2021 which was an incredible blow to me, to all of her friends and colleagues at work. But after we'd sort of taken the shock of that, we decided that we had to go on and make this event something special to commemorate Milena. You know, there was no way that we were giving up on the conference. And this wasn't an easy conference, because I want to talk about Phosphagy 2021. The reason I'm recording this monologue is because we've just finished Phosphagy 2021. This was not easy. It took more dedication, more hard work probably than any of the previous conferences because to start with, the team had to organise two conferences. They had to organise a physical face-to-face in real life conference in a conference centre and they had to organise an online conference. The reason they had to do both was because they, we just didn't know what was going to be possible. By March or April, we'd realised that it was just too risky to go ahead with a physical conference, and we'd made the decision to negotiate our way out of the contracts with the venue and to go ahead with an online conference. And when I say we, I actually mean Maria Arias Dorena and the whole of the LOC. 
My involvement was around sponsorship. They were the ones who were doing all the really hard work. So for the first time, we had a global phosphagy running online. And what an event it was. It was nearly 2,000 delegates. It was nearly 400 speakers. It was 300 talks, 40-plus workshops, galas, an incredible social interaction online, and I'll talk about that in a second, and loads of other activities going on, panels and everything. And it wasn't like the Zoom conferences that we've all been to by now, where you sit through endless PowerPoint presentations with somebody talking, staring at your screen. There was a lot of interactivity. We were, they'd created a map of the venue and of Buenos Aires, which was, it felt a bit like a a 1980s video game, a Mario Kart or something. And you steered your avatar around this area and you could bump into people. And when you bumped into people, you could start a conversation with them. And the video opened up and you could have a little video chat with one or two people or even a bigger group of people. And it was it was so exciting. You know, it was like we haven't seen each other for a couple of years. And then you bump into your friends in this virtual world. And it it really worked. It worked brilliantly. Uh, lots of people gave great feedback. And there were loads of, of moments when you really felt you had nearly the same energy as you would have had in a physical event. So what were the pluses of this event? There were pluses and there were minuses. The pluses were it was very inclusive. Anybody could join from anywhere in the world. It was environmentally enormously friendly because nobody was traveling. So apart from the electricity cost of running the internet and uh, using your computer, you had no carbon footprint at all for attending the event. That also meant that the event was accessible to a lot more people because the costs were so low. A full price ticket for an individual was $100. There were special prices for people from Argentina and Latin America. And there were a good stock of free tickets for people who couldn't afford to pay even the reduced prices that were on offer. I don't think anybody was turned down from attending Phosphagy because they didn't have the money. And that's how we got to nearly 2,000 people online. We had no room size limits, so you could get to every talk that you wanted to get to. It was really easy to spin up an extra event. So we decided to put a B2B event together about a month before the start of the event. And that was really easy to do. It was easy to jump rooms. I don't know whether you've, you must have experienced at a big conference, the logistical planning that you need to do, because you can't be in two places at the same time. And so when one event, when one session finishes, you've got to work out how to get to the next session. And if it's the other side of the site or the building, that can take you five or 10 minutes to get there. With this, you just clicked, clicked on the next room and you were in there listening. And even better, for those of us who've been at an event, realize that you've gone into a session that's not one that you're interested in or it's too technically advanced for you. You don't have to stand up and gather your things and walk out and show disrespect to the speaker. You just click and you're in a different room. It's almost like you're teleporting yourself. It was a lot of fun and 
I attended a lot of great sessions. What were the minuses? Well, we miss each other. Creativity and ideas flourish in social spaces in a way that they just can't do in online rooms, however interactive they are. Online chats, I think, tend to be much more shorter. You bump into somebody, you talk to them for a minute or two online, and then you moved on. Yeah, I know when I go to Phosphagia, I'll sit out in a lobby area or in a lounge or something, and other people will join me and we'll sit and we'll chat for 40 minutes or something. You don't do that online. You know, people might chat for a few minutes, but that's all. Partying just isn't the same. You know, whatever fantastic things that the organising committee did with gala dinners and dancing and everything else, but it's just not the same. So I'm certainly not saying that we should stick to having online events. And I think perhaps the future is going to be hybrid events where there's an online component and an in real life component. But I do think that having the occasional online event like we did is a really good thing for enabling people from all around the world to join in these events without financial limitations. So my massive respect to my dear friend Maria Arias de Reina and the whole of the local organising committee. You've done a fantastic job. If I could, I'd be hugging you all. I'd be toasting you. I'd be opening bottles of wine with you. But I can't, so I've just got to say it on here. And so what's coming next? Well, it's like an endless cycle. Last week on Friday, Phosphagy finished with an incredible closing session. On Saturday and Sunday, there was a code sprint. By Tuesday, I was sitting in a conference call with the organising committee for Florence in 2022, and we were talking about some plans and some experiences from the 21 event that they wanted to hear about. And they're already underway with planning Phosphor G 2022 in Florence. It's going to be a great event, I think. I'm not sure it will be as big as some of the biggest events we've seen. But I know that there's lots and lots of people who are already saying, we want to go to Florence. We want to see our friends. We want to party together. We want to talk together. And certainly my plan is to combine work with a reunion with my OSGO family and a vacation in a beautiful part of Italy with my first love, my long-suffering wife who follows me around to some of these events. So that's a story from me. That's it for now. A little bit about G this year, about my love for the OSGO community. Tell me what you thought about this monologue format. Did it work? Did it not work? Would you like some more? I've got some co- much more controversial topics that I'd like to talk about. Some of the business models of software companies. I've got an idea for who is the we work of Geo, which I'll leave you to ponder on. So send me a message. You can get me at, at Stephen Feldman on Twitter. Most of you know all the ways to get hold of me. I think they'll be at the end of this podcast anyway. And let me know whether you want another monologue in a few weeks' time. Take care, everyone. Bye. Thanks, everyone, for joining us today and listening to the GMOP podcast. Hopefully you've enjoyed the discussion. 
please don't hesitate if you have any feedback for us or any suggestions for topics that we should cover in the future. You can get the show notes over on the website, which is at thegeomob.com. While you're there, if you're not yet on the mailing list, please do get on the mailing list where we once a month send out an email announcing future events, summarizing past events, and just generally sharing uh, events that you may find of interest. You can also, of course, follow us on Twitter, where our handle is geomob. You can follow Steven at Steven Feldman. You can follow me at Fryfogel. You can check out Mappery at mappery.org. And of course, if you need any geocoding, please check out my service, which is opencagedata.com. We look forward to you joining us again at a future episode and of course, seeing you at a future GeoMop event. Hope to see you there soon. Bye.